Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Well, hello, everyone. And welcome to another episode of Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. I'm your host, Ben Carson. And uh, as you know, there's not a whole lot of common sense around these days. But uh, we have somebody today who has a tremendous amount of it. Um, I'm thrilled that our guest is one of the most successful and respected comedians in the country. He's an author, an actor, a producer a writer, an incredibly uh, creative person. Uh, he's the largest selling comedy recording artist in history, uh, multiple Grammy Award nominee, and best-selling author of not two or three, but 26 books. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you might be a redneck if you know who our guest is. <laughs> it's Jeff. Foxworthy. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Carson. Well, I want to I want to ask you about how you got started. Were you a, a wisecrack and got in a lot of trouble at school? <laughs> I, I, I always, I make good grades, but every report card said Jeff talks too much in class. Uh, <laughs> When I was a kid, I was always attracted to laughter. And so when I was a kid, I would save my allowance and buy comedy records, you know, Flip Wilson and Bob Newhart and Bill Cosby. And I'd memorize them. I'd go to school and do them. And, you know, there was there's a joy in making people laugh. But I never, as a kid, thought that this was a possible career. You know, it it was... It was my gift. I, I was the funny kid. And um, so after college, I was working at IBM. It sounds more glamorous than it was. I was repairing machines, but I was the funny guy at work. I was the guy in the break room doing impersonations of the boss. And you'd turn around and the boss would be in the doorway. That was that guy. But I had a bunch of friends that went to the local comedy club and they came back one week and they go, Foxworthy, you're funnier than they are. They're having a contest for working comedians, we entered you in it. And I'm like, no, I don't have material. You know, I'm doing somebody else's material. So I wrote five minutes about my family. I went down there 
And I won the contest. It wasn't an amateur night. It was comedians. And I was scared to death, but I knew a minute and a half into it, it just sounds so hokey, but I knew, oh, this is what I was created to do. That's an amazing story. I mean, that's sort of the way the good Lord works, isn't it? I think, it. you know, Mark Twain had a quote. He said, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you figure out why. Mm -hmm. And maybe like you, I don't know why I can do this. I can't even take any credit for it. I mean, it's a gift from God. I don't know why I can do it. You give me an accounting spreadsheet and I'm lost. But if you tell me, hey, write me 30 jokes about home security, I can I can knock them out. And, <laughs> you know, and so and I think I think every one of us is like that. I think every one of us is gifted with something and they're all different, but they're all necessary as, as part of the big picture. Absolutely. Well, when did you sort of come to know the Lord and, and how has that impacted your life and your career? Uh, it, I was young. I was seven years old and I can remember being in church and I was just I was being pulled out into the aisle, you know, and uh, my mom had a hold of my collar and she was saying to me, you're too little. You can't go down. You're too little. and we got back home and of course, Jeff's going to, he's going to argue about it. And I'm like, I, no, I want to go do this to the point, doc, that they had the preacher come to the house and sit down and talk to me one-on-one. -on -one. And, you know, and then he left and, and said to my mom and dad, he said, he knows exactly what he's doing. And, and I made him go to Sunday night church. I wasn't waiting another week. I'm like, I'm going to, we're going tonight. Uh, God forbid the Lord comes back on Tuesday and you didn't let me go. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was very young. I mean, it's still the biggest moment of my life. And how did that impact your career choice or did it? I think it always did. You know, it, it impacted my life choices. But but like with my career, I remember early on, it, it was funny when I quit IBM, like in 1984, I think I was making $32,000 a year. And I really wanted to do comedy. So I quit my job at IBM. And my mother's first question was, are you on the dope? I don't <laughs> know what the dope was, but are you on the dope? And I, I said, no, I said, I just, I think I can do this. You know, and I figured worst case, I come back with my hat in my hand and beg for the job back. And uh, and five years later, I was on Johnny Carson and the same mother is going, you know, you wasted all those years at IBM. <laughs> Whatever, Mom. But, you know, I even from the beginning, Leno, Jay Leno told me early on, he said, if you work clean, you'll always work. And to be quite honest, I wanted to do a show that if my mom came in and sat in the back of the room and I found out later, I wasn't going to be mortified. Um, and and so and I and I compromised on that once because that first year I did comedy, I did 406 shows and I made eight thousand three hundred dollars for the year. one year for one year. And so money was tight to say the to say the least. And I had a guy that made truck stop tapes. And he came up to me and he said, listen, I'll give you $2,500 for every 30 minutes you can give me. He said, but the problem is you're way too clean. You need to you need to spice it up a little bit. And I compromised. And 
and I did it. And probably one of the biggest regrets I have. So this guy ended up, I got $2,500 for every 30 minutes and I gave him an hour and a half. So I got $7,500, no residuals. This guy went on to sell like 8 million of my tapes and he made millions and millions of dollars while I made 7,000. And I had compromised myself and had done work that I wasn't proud of. And I, you know, which was a great lesson. I'm like, you know better than that. Yeah, for Don't. sure. Well, yeah. your father left when you were nine years old. Yeah. And, you know, my father left when I was eight years old. I remember how devastated I was. I just prayed every night, Lord, please help them to get back together. I just couldn't understand it. For years I prayed that. But, you know, later on in life, having some perspective, I realized why God didn't answer that prayer. Because, you know, my father was into all kinds of things, drugs and, you know, gambling and women. And nothing wrong with women, but you only need one. And yeah. uh, it was, <laughs> I probably would have followed in that same pattern had I stayed around him. But what was it like for you? I mean, kind of the same thing. My dad, he, uh, they, my, my parents were so dear. And my dad really changed a lot. And as you're talking about, as you get older and you get that perspective, when my dad was five, his dad went out to get a pack of smokes and never came back. They found him 20 years later in another state with another family. And so you look back and it allows me to have grace with my father. Um because that had to mess him up. And for people listening out there, if you're in a struggling marriage or whatever, and you have no idea how much this devastates a kid, because no matter what you say to the child, or at least this is the way I felt, the message to me was, you weren't worth sticking around for. Mm. And it probably, like you, created a craving for that father's blessing. And, uh, you, you know, which... It actually, it's funny when you said God didn't answer that prayer for you. He did answer that prayer for you. He just didn't answer it the way you wanted it. Exactly. That's um, exactly right. And so what I found was, you know, I'm a little kid. I wanted somebody to be there every day. I wanted somebody to know me. I wanted somebody to love me unconditionally. And at a very young age, it kind of struck me, all these things that I want, I'm either going to be really frustrated or God checks all these boxes. So I'm just going to let God be my dad. And <laughs> that's what I decided to do because he knew me inside out, loved me when I was good, loved me when I was bad, disciplined me when I needed it. And um, yeah. I kind of made God my dad. Amen. Well, I, I kind of adopted him as my earthly father as well as my heavenly father, too. What yeah, a, I did the same thing, yeah. <laughs> what a difference that makes. Well, you know, you've obviously worked on a lot of different projects. What are some of the most memorable ones for you? Well, as a stand-up, my only, and it's funny because most people get into stand-up because it's such a great springboard to do TV and movies. And then once they do TV and movies, they don't do stand-up anymore. I'm one of those outliers that likes stand-up more than TV and movies. So as a stand-up comedian, my whole goal when I began was to be on Johnny Carson. <laughs> um, 
And everybody said, well, it'll take you 10 years to be good enough to do that. And so I said, well, I'm going to work like a banshee because Johnny's not going to stick around for 10 more years. And I'm going to do it in five. I'm going to do it in half of that. And so I, I had year after year after year, I was doing over 500 shows a year. I was on wow. stage every night just doing this. And I ended up getting to do Carson. It took me five years and a month. So it took me one month longer than my goal. So as a stand-up to do that, to get called over to the couch to make Johnny Carson laugh. that And you know, back then you only had three TV channels. So, I mean, that was, if you were a comedian, that was the top of the mountain. Yeah. So that was awesome. I love doing Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader. I was going to ask you about that next. (laughs) Well, you know, because all you ever hear is bad things about kids. And the thing that that I loved about it was it showed kids in a great light. And I think it was probably reinforcing the message for children that, hey, education is a good thing. Uh, You know, you don't have to be ashamed of being smart. And... uh, When Mark Burnett contacted me, he said, would you be interested in hosting a game show? And I said, I don't think so. I'm very happy with what I'm doing. And I said, what is the premise? And he said, adults taking an elementary school test for a shot at a million bucks. And I just started chuckling. And I said, Mark, that's brilliant because everybody's going to think they can do it. And you find out very quickly you can't, you know. Well, there's there's a lot of stuff, you know, that fifth graders know that I don't know. I don't pay attention to any of these shows that they watch or some of the social media stuff. I have no idea. If if you want to talk about geography and history, no problem. Yeah. But <laughs> I used to, when I started doing it, I laughed. I said, I don't know why my brain kept the file that had all the lyrics to the Gilligan's Island theme song, but it deleted everything about triangles, you know, all the different triangles and the angles and, and everything. And the brain's like, ah, oh, we don't need that. We took the dog. <laughs> hey, maybe the, maybe with Gilligan's Island, the Bermuda part triangle. <laughs> <laughs> now it could be, yeah. Well, that's funny. Now, uh, we're going to have to take a very short break here and we'll be right back with uh, a legendary comedian, Jeff Foxworthy. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. (laughs) 
And we're back with Common Sense. And you know what, how I feel about Common Sense. It used to be ubiquitous. It was everywhere. And uh, now, particularly in Washington, D.C., we don't see it so much. You know, you see people trying to confuse young people about their gender. And you see people saying it's okay that we have an open border and it doesn't matter who comes into the country. And they may be terrorists bent on destroying our country, but it's okay. And actually, we got it all under control. I mean, do you ever include any of that kind of stuff in your routines? I don't but very much, and, and here's why. And I actually do this, Dr. Carson, right before I walk out on stage at night. I remind myself that everybody I'm going to look at, and that's what I love about stand-up, is you're looking at live people. You're not staring into a camera. But everybody I'm going to be looking at is going through some kind of a struggle. It might be a financial struggle. It might be a physical struggle. It might be an emotional struggle. But everybody's going through a struggle. And kind of my whole life, that it's like, just be kind to people. Have grace. Because you don't know their story. You don't know what they're dealing with. And I'm not foolish enough to think laughter makes people's struggle go away. But I do think laughter is kind of like the release valve. That yeah. keeps the boiler from exploding. It's a, it's a reprieve. It, it's a strengthening, refreshing reprieve. And, and I tell people, all right, for the next hour and a half, whatever your struggle is, let's put it on the shelf and let's just laugh. And then you can pick it up later. And so to me, it's not my job to go out there and, you know, I used to have political uh, comedians that were political comedians, and I just sit in the back of the room and go, oh, half the people hate you, you know, 30 <laughs> seconds after you're on stage. But I think people, th- there's a value to laughter. If God says we were created in his image, then obviously he laughs. I know probably, I used to think, why did God let us have children? He didn't need to let us have children. I think he did it so we had a tiny glimpse of the way he feels about us. Yeah, And I know when my children are, are laughing, it just thrills my heart. It's one of the greatest things in the Absolutely. world. Absolutely. Well, he must have, God must have quite a sense of humor just to deal with us. In my yeah. own life, you know, when I was 14, I tried to stab someone. And that was the time when I started reading every single day from the book of Proverbs. Mm-hmm. And the book of Proverbs, of course, is written by Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. Well, it so happens that my middle name is Solomon. So how did the Lord know that I was <laughs> going to have that affinity with Solomon? But that's not the funniest part. The funniest part is what did Solomon do that brought him great fame and attention when he first became king? Two women came to him claiming to be the mother of the same baby. And what did he advocate? Divide the babies. Yeah. Well, when I divided babies, that's when I became very well known too. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. You, you and Solomon walking side by side there. And but at the end, Solomon realized it's all meaningless. You know, it's all the things that we cleave to on this earth. It's yeah, all vanity. That's what he said. I was thinking about that just the other day. 
Well, you know, one of the things that my wife and I can't used to always do is make sure on Saturday evening we watch American Bible Challenge. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was so much fun. And, uh, you know, the questions, most of them were pretty easy, but some of them were, were kind of really involved. And how did you get involved in, in that particular um, based on, I guess, probably me hosting, are you smarter than a fifth grader? They were interested in me and, and they said, um, would you be interested in hosting, uh, a, a Bible challenge? And, and at first I turned it down doctor, because I'm like, man, I don't, the Bible shouldn't be entertainment. Um, and I went away and I thought about it. I had a struggle with people winning money because they knew more about Bible verses than somebody else. But then it, one night, it kind of had a revelation. I said, okay, well, if they won the money, but they had to give it away, then this, this makes it much more the message of Christ. This yeah. is you can't keep it. You got to love on somebody else with it. And I went back to him and I said, I'll do the show, but the people can't keep the money. They have to give it. They have to bless somebody else with it. And they agreed to do it. And it was funny, as you probably know, when you're, when you're doing something like that, I had a little IFB in my ear where they could talk to me from the control truck. And, and, and they would just say things like, Jeff, ask the question, but go to commercial before you reveal the answer, you know, and things like that. It's kind of how they do those things. Well, when I was hosting that show, I pronounced a lot of those Old Testament ways the way my Southern country mother pronounced them. <laughs> and I would, I, would, I would say a name, and Dr., I could hear them in the truck just laughing. I mean, breaking up laughing. And we go to commercial and I say, stop laughing. That's the way my mama says it, you know, and they would go, well, we got to do a pickup on that. And this is the way it's actually pronounced. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, you know, you, you talked about how you were doing sometimes three, four, five hundred shows in one year. Yeah. How in the world did you balance a career and family? Well, I only You've been, did married, you've been married for a long time. I've been married uh, 37 years. Yeah. Well, but I only did that before I had children. So my wife would go with me um, and all. And, and when I look back, I'm like, man, I've been so blessed in my life because about the time that I got out of doing the small clubs, which were the every night thing and started doing theaters, which were weekends was about the time we started having children. So I was one of those dads. I was home Monday through Friday. And I was—I mean, yeah, and I was gone Friday night, Saturday night, then I was back home. And the entire time my kids were growing up, i it was not financially lucrative, but I rented a plane. And no matter where I was, I did my show on Friday night and I flew back home. I might not get home till two in the morning. But I got up the next day and I went to their soccer games or their basketball games or I took them to school yeah. if it was school week. And then that afternoon, I would fly back out and go do the next show. Mm. But it gave me 100 more days Absolutely. a year with my kids. And now my kids are full grown 
And they either come over or I talk to them every single day. I mean, we just have an incredibly close relationship. Well, I think it's because they knew they were the priority in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, and I mean, I made less money, but who cares? I was I blessed well enough that we had a house and we, you know, made a good living. But it, I was tired. I look back and go, man, I was tired for about 10 or 15 years. But, but, but what a difference it makes because, you know, today there's so much breakdown in the family. And yeah. so many kids are living without a father. And when you look at the statistics in terms of, people who end up in the penal system and all these other things, you see a great correlation with fatherless homes. And, you know, you and I were were very fortunate that, you know, we partly grew up with a fatherless home and, and still came out okay, but a lot of people don't. And, you know, when I was practicing, particularly early on in my career, I was extraordinarily busy sometimes doing 500 operations a year. And uh, and then on the weekends, traveling and giving talks. And uh, I just made it a rule uh, wherever I went that my whole family had to come with me. So they had frequent flyer cards for every airline. They travel all over the world. Because yeah. otherwise they've been saying, Mom, that strange guy was here again last night. <laughs> it makes a difference. And, you know, I think that's what you have to, you know, I, I was given this gift that requires that I be on the road to be a steward of it, you know, but there's, you figure it out, you know, you figure, I remember this, I was telling somebody this yesterday, one time a, an organization said to me, we voted you father of the year and our banquet is, you know, pick a date, June 11th. And I looked at my calendar and I said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do the banquet because that's the week of my family vacation. Mm. And they said, well, can you not leave the family vacation and come to our awards dinner and then go back? And I said, no. I said, this is my family vacation. And they said, well, you, okay, you can't have the award then. And I said, so you're not giving me the father of the year award because I'm being a good father and not leaving my kids for <laughs> <a> vacation. <laughs> that's kind of funny (laughs) well you know we were talking a little earlier about politics and comedy and uh, of course the late night host and people like Trevor Noah are extremely cruel with their political jokes and commentary do you think there's any hope for them any hope for us as a country is that just a a sign of the times that we're living in. I waver on it. Sometimes sometimes I think, well, maybe it's the pendulum has just swung way too far one way and it'll it'll come back. And then I, I have other moments where I think, you know, if you look at the, the prophecy of the end times, a lot of things that are going on in the world, they're happening. They're happening right now. And if it is ordained by God, it doesn't matter how hard I fight it, it's going to happen. And so I kind of waver sometimes between thinking, you know, and the Lord says, you know, if if you turn from your evil ways, if you repent and you humble yourself, I will heal your land. Humility is very hard to find right now. We live in an age where people do not want to give up their need to be right. 
But when you have to be right, somebody else has to be wrong. And when they have to be wrong, they don't want to engage in conversation with you and they walk away. That's true. Well, how has political correctness and wokeness affected the profession of comedian? I did, greatly. I was talking to a comedian friend yesterday that she said, I think we're probably going the way of the dinosaurs. I think we're going to be extinct one day, uh, which I went, wow, that's that's a radical thought. But, well, I'll give you an example, doctor. Like 30 years ago, I might do a routine where I would say, hey, why do men do this, but women do that? When, when women do this in the car and men do that. And then people started saying, well, I'm a man and I don't do that. Or I'm a woman and I don't do that. And you go, <laughs> and then I start going, my wife does this, but I do that. You know, so it's like not making it blanket. It's just me and my wife. And that's what I know. Now I found, because I'm not mean natured, I've always just, I wouldn't do something if I thought it would hurt somebody's feelings. But I do think we need to have the ability to laugh at ourselves. Right. Uh, Because none of us have it figured out. No, that's absolutely true because, you know, a lot of people wouldn't be offended from a lot of things that are said, except for the person who comes along and says, oh, that was really horrible and you should be offended. It's sort of like the kid in schoolyard who used to always, everybody was having a good time playing together. And then he comes, did you hear what he said about your mama? You know. (laughs) But now I find myself, I write and then I look at, I write and then I edit and I re-edit and I look at it and think, is there anything in here that's going to cause somebody to get upset? Which I think part of the job of a comedian is you have to be a truth teller. You have to hold things up and go, why do we do this as a society? Or why, you know, why is this this way or this this? We have to have that ability to at least address the truth. And we cut, we're living in an age now where there's a lot of things in our life that that aren't based on truth at all. They're just based on feelings. There's no facts to support it. And and you're entitled to your feelings. You're not entitled to make me feel the same way you feel or, or to think the same way you think. Because, you know, at the very least, one of the it's it's funny, one of the things that I thank God for is his infinite creativity. Like if somebody had told me invent plants after drawing seven or eight, I'd go, okay, I'm out of ideas. Well, he did millions of them. He did, you know, thousands of trees, millions of different kind of fish. He's just infinitely creative. Well, if he's that way with that part of his creation, why wouldn't he be that way with us? Yeah. That he doesn't. If we are masterpieces, masterpieces means one of a kind. So why do you, why in the world would you think he would want us to all look and act and walk and talk the same way? Yeah. Well, you know, not only was he uh, very creative, and still is, but uh, he showed a good deal of sense of humor in the creations of animals. Yeah. I mean, a giraffe, come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you might go, watch this one. Watch what I do with the neck on this one. It's, it's, it's really very funny. But, um, you know, you've had a chance to observe Hollywood over the years. How has it changed, in your opinion? Well, a couple of ways. I think since I was a, when I was a kid, you could, 
at least partially count on the news. I think when the news became that what the news has become now is it's it's a form of entertainment. It is a money making machine. And so when you're tailoring your news to draw a certain audience, it's no longer the news. So once it became something that was profitable, just like anything else that's profitable, you're looking for your target audience. And a lot of that truthfulness goes away. I, you know, I look at, and and I think you and I are probably close to the same age, mm-hmm. but I remember, you know, on the Dick Van Dyke show, they slept in different beds, you know. I, uh, I remember that. And it's just, even for me, things that, when I started going on network television, the things that you could or couldn't say or couldn't talk about, I look at it now. I just sit there some nights and go, this is network. You can do this on network TV. And it's, man, there's just in all areas of your life, you need boundaries. Yeah. Uh, and it's almost like the boundaries have gone away. And, you know, it's like, it's kind of like the Ten Commandments. They weren't put there to inhibit you. They were put there for your benefit because it's like, thou shalt not steal. Okay, well, if you steal, eventually you're going to get caught. You're going to put in jail. Now you can't take care of your family. It's This is not good for you. Don't do this. It's going to mess up your life. Absolutely. You know, thou shalt not covet what your name. Well, you start comparing you know, comparison is the death of contentment. So you start thinking, I want this and I deserve this and I want this. It's going to mess up your life. You're going to make a decision that probably makes you cheat on your partner, which breaks a lifetime of trust with your kids. Right. And so it's that that boundary is there for your benefit. Well, it's not to inhibit you. It's for your benefit. They used to post the Ten Commandments in public schools up until 1963. But, you know, I love to ask people, what exactly is wrong with thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not covet and thou shalt not commit adultery and honor your father and mother? What is wrong with those things? And, you know, they can never answer that question. <laughs> no, you, yeah, you can't. Because they're, you know, again, they're boundaries that we are, we are not to be trusted, with, you know. Because we're all by our nature, given leeway, we will corrupt it. We will every single time, given leeway. And that's why we need those boundaries. Amen. Well, we are going to be right back with our last short segment with uh, Jeff Foxworthy. Stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back with Common Sense. I'm your host, Ben Carson. And, you know, this has been fascinating, talking to Jeff Foxworthy. I bet you didn't realize he was such a deep guy. (laughs) But that's fantastic. But have you ever thought about the impact that you've had on society? Or is that something that you just don't think about? Well, I do think about it. I think, um, again, like I was given a gift, but whatever your gift is, you're called to be a good steward of it. And I've tried to do that. I've tried to use nothing in my life prepared me for notoriety. I grew up with a dirt yard. You know, our landscaping was concrete blocks with monkey grass in them. That was, and I'm not saying that to be pitiful. We were just like everybody else on the street. And I had a great childhood, but I never thought people would know who I am. I remember one time for almost 20 years, my wife and I were head of the fundraising for the Duke Children's Hospital. My brother played football at Duke, and that's how I got tied in with them. And and one time I went into the bone marrow unit unannounced to go visit the kids. And I look over and there's one of my books on the bedside table. And there's one of my DVDs laying on a table at the end. And it just struck me. It's like, oh, wow, they didn't know I was coming. But something I've done has been a reprieve or a blessing for this person in the middle of this struggle that they're going through. And it it kind of struck me from that moment on. There's like, there's value in what you do outside of the entertainment portion of it, but you need to use the leverage that it gives you in the right way. And you need to realize people are watching, you know, they're watching and, and they watch, they watch what you do. Much more than what you say. It, it was funny. My youngest daughter told me not long ago, for like 12 years, it stopped at COVID. But on Tuesday mornings, I got up at five o'clock every Tuesday morning. I'd be standing outside the Chick-fil-A when they opened and I would get chicken biscuits. I'd buy like 80 chicken biscuits. I'd go down to the Atlanta Mission and I'd do Bible study. And so the chicken biscuits were my enticement to get the guys to, to come. <laughs> and I mean, for 12 years, every Tuesday morning, didn't matter if I was on the road or what. I'm, I'm doing this. And somebody told me after seven or eight years, I met a friend that was in the news business. And they said, well, I had no idea you did that. I said, well, you're not supposed to have any idea. I wasn't doing it. So you'd have an idea that I did it. But my daughter said to me, she said, you know, dad, the fact that you very quietly got up every week at five o'clock in the morning and got you a little cooler and went out and did that. She said, that spoke more to me than half the things you ever said to me. Mm. And I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize you were watching. You know, that's pretty much. Well, that that brings up another question. Did your kids find you funny? (laughs) (laughs) Here was the problem. When they were little, I had a lot of great material about them. But then by the time they got in middle school, and they realized I was talking about them on TV. They were like, no, stop, stop, stop. And so, yeah, they, they're funny. We laugh a lot in our family. It's kind of fun for me when when we do family functions. 
I'm about the fourth funniest one. So there's no pressure <laughs> on me when we when we're all together. But we as a family, we laugh a lot. We're together a lot. We laugh a lot. I uh, think that's, that's very healthy. Yeah. You know, bef- before uh, my wife and I got together, people who knew both of us were always saying, you two guys should be together. Because <laughs> you tell the same kind of corny jokes. <laughs> it's, 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 right? Yeah. And they were right. No question about that. Well, um, we're going to have to close it off, but I just want you to answer this one question. This two questions, actually. What would you say to a young person who wants to make a career in comedy? And do you have any parting advice for our audience in general? To the young person that wanted to be a comedian, don't try to be somebody else. You're a masterpiece in yourself. You be you. You talk about the things you know, the things you think. Be you. It's going to work the best like that. And learn, and I bet the doctor can can back me up on this. When you have a thought, write it down. I, I carry little note cards in my back pocket because in your mind you think, well, I'm going to remember this later. And then you never do. I have note cards in my pocket. I have a... A little notepad next to my bed, because a lot of times, right as I'm going to sleep, I'll think of something and I got to write it out. And I have I, one. I put it on my iPhone. Yeah. Uh, and well, before we had iPhones, you know, I had notepads. I had one outside my shower. For some reason, I think of a lot of stuff in the shower. <laughs> then I get out, you know, and I'm like, I got to write, write it down. And the other thing is view yourself as valuable. But what you do, what you say matters. My favorite Bible verse, and it must be a weird one because I've never heard anybody else say it was their favorite, but it's Galatians 1.10, and it says, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Mm. And that's kind of how I try to make life decisions is I don't, I don't care what other people say about it. Is God going to be okay with the decision that I'm making? And if I follow that, it's like when when the Pharisees were trying to trip Jesus up and they said, "Okay, out of all the laws, which is most important, he said, love God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, all the other laws hang from this, Hmm. meaning that if we love and honor God and if we love and honor each other as as we love ourselves, you don't really need all these other laws. Everything else is going to fall into place. Absolutely. Well, that is such good advice and big, great advice for our nation right now, because as as we're throwing God away, look how quickly we're spiraling downward, just like we spiraled upward very quickly in the beginning, because right. he's such an important part of who we were as a nation. And, you know, if we can somehow come back to our love of God, that will also create love of our neighbor. Instead of cancel your neighbor, love your neighbor. Yeah. What difference that will make in our country? You know, and doctor, one of the one of the definitions of repent is change the way you think. You know, people hear repent and they think, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, that's a component of it, but it also means to change the way you think. Mm-hmm. It's like if if I want to turn this around, and that's what Jesus would say, repent, change the way you think. Don't look at it like this. Look at it like this. And, man, we we really need to change the way we think. Amen. Well, I have to ask you one more thing. 
all those baseballs back there. What's the story there? <laughs> I, I was a I was a big baseball fan as a kid. And so when I started doing things like The Tonight Show or hosting award shows, I would just carry baseballs with me for several years. And like I would get I got like Johnny Carson and Milton Burrow and Bob Hope and, you know, Red Skelton. I've got them all on a baseball and which was cool. But but then this is my whole life crammed into about 15 feet back there. I, see over here, I have arrowheads, which is one of my passions now. I love to go just kind of walk in the quiet and look for for arrowheads and artifacts and <laughs> books and, you know, my Georgia Bulldogs up there. I love my Georgia Bulldogs. So it's, we downsized significantly. And so I took a lifetime worth of stuff and stuck it on a set of shelves behind me. Yeah. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you for bringing some joy and comic relief into people's lives in our country and being someone who really makes a difference. And may God continue to bless you and your family. And if you ever happen to be in our area, Candy and I would love to see you. <laughs> you Please tell her I said hello and give her my best. Absolutely. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. back uh but making people laugh is a real gift and jeff foxworthy certainly has that gift but uh he's made a very successful career in hollywood been a successful father and husband and he's also stayed close to god what a tremendous example for all of us and you know they say laughter is the best medicine it is a good medicine. It improves your mood, increases the endorphin level in your brain, gets your heart and lungs and muscles moving a little bit better. And you may not be a Foxworthy, but you probably have some comedy in you. So I want you for your assignment this time, spend some time with people who make you laugh and share some fun stories and jokes with other people. And uh, if you got a good 
dad joke, send it to me. Ben at AmericanCornerstone.org That's it for this week. Please remember to subscribe for free. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Rate us, review us, tell your friends about us. And let's spread common sense all over America. See you next week. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home, yes, cool, or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.